greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, first and foremost, can somebody please shut down the North Pole? It's coming down really hard. Is there any way to shut it down just a little bit? A brother still recovering. I want to welcome everybody here to the Power Hour. Uh, if you are here for the first time, I pray that the Lord will bless you uh, through the service that we have in this place. We are close to the end of the year. And as preachers, we do our best to help you reflect on what was and to prepare you for what's coming. And so this month, we are not in any particular way preaching a series. But every sermon, the attempt is to get you closer to closure for the year that has passed and to prepare you for the year that is to come. I want you to understand, even in the Jewish economy, in the Hebrew economy, the way that the year was structured... It allowed them to uh, see themselves as they were, but also to look forward to what was to come. The last celebration, Yom Kippur, was about judgment, but not in the sense of finding fault, but rather in cleansing you to prepare for another year. So every sermon, we hope, cleanses you of 2022 so that when you step into the next year, you are not carrying baggage. It is baggage from the previous year that allows you to not start the next year well. And so today, with the sermon I'm going to preach, the attempt is to get you dressed up for 2023. A pastor prayed for me, as he usually does before the service, and he tried to pronounce the word on the screen. Now, obviously, he's not, some, he's not from France, so he messed it up. And so he was asking, what is Ketor? That's how you pronounce it, Ketor. Now, I know that women know what the word is, but the men don't. Because the fashion industry is a $1.7 trillion industry. Ironically, during the pandemic or the shutdown, while stores were closed, more clothing was sold in those two years than before. Obviously, ladies, you were still shopping, you were dressed up, but you had nowhere to go. So the fashion industry is something that is big. It is a controversy because millennials and Gen Z, what they do on the fashion runways in France, they jump on the stage with t-shirts written, the climate, the climate matters more than clothing. It is controversial because children are being used in that industry. But don't worry, I'm not here to preach about the fashion industry because I know nothing about the fashion industry because my wife still dresses me till today. But my concern is about heaven's couture. What does that word mean? Let's, let, 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 let's get started. I, I want to do my best to stay up here on the stage. Heaven's three fashion seasons. For those who understand the way the fashion of the world works, you know that every year, different designers, you know their names, come up with new fashion, new designs, new colors, new flavor. And for some reason, the, the material is getting thinner and the clothes are getting smaller. In fact, what used to be a skirt is now a belt. Lord have mercy. And so every year there's something new. When you walk into the store and you want to buy a shirt, your wife says to you, not mine, my, my, my wife's okay. Your wife says to you, this shirt is from last season. Let's look for a shirt for this season. 
Ladies will walk into the store and they will not buy the shoe because it's been there for two years. Because the last thing you want is for your friends to look at you and say, why are you buying Burberry from 2019? Because you care about the season. The word couture means clothing that is tailor-made specifically to the customer's requirements. When you go into these expensive stores upstairs, that's not couture. That's just something the, 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 the designer came up with and you go buy it because it's expensive and it makes you look different than everybody else. But couture is when you go to Tom Ford himself and he designs the dress for you. Not everybody can do that. And I'm here to share with you this morning that heaven also has a season, but there's only three. There are seasons according to heaven's fashion that God dresses us up every single moment. Throughout this year, you went through one of those seasons and you didn't realize it. So I'm here this morning to remind you, or at least to show you, what those seasons are, what you should do, and what God can do for you. If you're with me so far, you say yes. yes. Uh, Pastor, the microphone, I can hear it keeps coming on and off. Uh, I hope that there's something we can do uh, about that. Uh, you want a, a, a little understanding? Here's what the seasons look like. Uh, season number one, I call it the season of favor. The season of favor. The second season, I call it the season of fire. The season of fire. I'm for you. The third one, we call it the season of fortune. There's a fourth one, but I'm going to share it as a mystery at the end of the word. But I want us to focus on these three in the context of the message. Why are they three? Why not more? Well, three is, <clears throat> three is a number I love when I teach, when I preach, and when I share. But we're going to look at the life of Joseph. Elder Rivo made reference to Joseph in the lesson. I'm sure you did not be preaching on him. Uh, Joseph's life presents itself with the season of favor. I'll be back. Mic test, mic test. One, two. Can you hear me? Awesome. Joseph's life presents itself with the season of favor, the season of fire, and the season of fortune. Every year, you go through all three, maybe two, maybe one. But I want you to notice what the Bible says about Joseph. Consider this your text for the sermon. In Genesis chapter 39, in verse 2, verse 3, and verse 21, the author, the writer Moses says, and God was with Joseph. It didn't matter where he was, what he was doing, what he was going through, God was with him. Amen, somebody. Amen. See, it's, the question is not, is God with me? The question is, how is God with you? If you can process in your mind that no matter what season of my life I'm going through, God is with me. If you can process that and say it over and over and over again internally, it won't matter what the season is. The fact is, you will always know, my brothers and sisters, that God is with you. So say it with me. And the Lord was with Joseph. One, two, three. The Lord was with Joseph. So the next time you read the text, I want you to understand, always remember that God was with this young man. 
Another reason why I choose the life of Joseph is because even though he is a young man, his life translates to the young lady, to the adult man or woman, to the child. The things that happened in his life can be easily translated into where you are. So you cannot look at the life of Joseph and say, that's not for me, it's not about me. But I want you to understand that everything that this young man went through is significant to your own spiritual experience. There's a detail, Pastor, in the story that I have covered before during a midweek, but I think there was like three of us that day. So I decided I'm going to make this a sermon and show you that what is an insignificant detail is actually relevant. Let me show you what I mean. Season number one, the season of favor. Genesis 37 verse 3, the Bible says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Pause. The favor that a parent has on a child is not the same favor that God has on you. Parental favoritism is based on ignorance and limitation. When the child looks like your, your, your grandparent who has passed away, you tend to love that child more than the rest. If it's a boy and you wanted a girl, you will favor that one more than the other. If you wanted a child who, who got A's in math, but the child loves to doodle and draw but doesn't love math, you will love the math child more than the doodle child. So parental favoritism is based on ignorance and limitation. But God's favor is based on something a whole lot more. Let me see if I can get you with me. I'm sorry, I'm not done with the text. The Bible says that Joseph, uh, Jacob loved him because he had been born to him in his old age. But it also says because Jacob loved Rachel. He loved Rachel. Did he, did he marry Rachel or Rebecca? I, I was never a pathfinder. I came to the church at 19. Rachel, right? He loved Rachel so much that he loved her kids more than the rest. So what's the moral of the story? Don't marry four wives, marry one. He loved Joseph because of the wife. And so he practiced favoritism, not favor. And because of the way that uh, Jacob treated jo Joseph, the Bible says, so one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, Kator. He got a special robe made for him. It wasn't just an ordinary robe. It was a rainbow-colored robe. Nothing says I love you more than your brothers, than a coat that is so bright you see it from afar. And Joseph is so naive that he wears it all the time. And so I want you to notice that the Bible says that he got a beautiful robe. That is garment number one. For Jacob, that was a garment of favoritism. But for God, I want to talk about the garment of favor. Listen carefully. God doesn't practice favoritism. He practices fair opportunity. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But for the one that commits themselves to the Lord. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, 28, all things. How many? All things work together for good. For who? For those, number one, that love the Lord. Number two, who are called according to their purpose. So while God doesn't practice favoritism, he does practice favor. That's why when you are faithful, you get the job and not the person that's more qualified than you. That's why that you get to marry the girl that you thought you never qualified for. That's God's favor. Maybe. Favor is when God does for you that which you don't deserve. 
But because you love him, because you are faithful, because you are living according to his purpose, God will move you to the front of the line. And I'm pretty sure that in 2022, in spite of masks and pandemic and COVID, God was favoring you. Maybe you just didn't see it. I don't know. Favor is not about the absence of opposition or trials. It's about receiving opportunity during all of that. Joseph was favored, even though his brothers didn't like him because of it. I want you to understand that just because people don't like you, just because not everybody wants you there, not everybody in the company appreciates your work and your presence, it doesn't mean you're not favored. Favor has nothing to do with trials and problems. Favor is when God lifts you up when you don't expect him to. When everybody expects you to fail, God comes through for you. That's favor. Joseph was despised not just by his brothers, but guess what? By his parents. One day, Joseph has a dream. And the naivete of a young man, he shares the dream with enthusiasm. And he says to his family, I dreamt that there were uh, uh, 13 bales of wheat, and there was one, and the 13 bowed down. And then I dreamt that there were 13 stars, or whatever number, and they were bowing down. In other words, one day, his family would bow down to him. Riv, how do you feel if one day Mia comes and says, I had a dream that one day the whole family would bow down to me? That's exactly what Joseph did. So in spite of their not understanding, he still had favor in his life. And favor, I have to keep saying the word, because people miss it. Because of a lack of faith, we don't focus on favor, we focus on problems. We focus on failure, we focus on trials. We don't see that in spite of everything, God was with Joseph. And if God can be with Joseph, God has been with you. Amen, somebody. Let's talk about the season of fire. Everybody goes through the season of fire. Maybe you are about to jump into it. Maybe you are in it. Maybe you are about to come out of it. But at some point, you are going to be in the fire. What does the fire look like for Joseph? Favor is not enough. See, we can say amen, but I want to let you know that right now, God's favor is not enough. Not because God is not enough, but the favor itself. People abuse favor. Joseph was so young that he didn't understand what it meant. He wasn't ready. So in order to get him ready, guess what happened? From the season of favor and fashion and uh, 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 rainbow-colored clothing, God took him into the season of fire. Because favor is not enough. Uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor and try to keep as much a distance as possible if they're not your spouse or relative. Turn to them and say right now, favor is not enough. I can see some of the people at the back ain't doing it. I'm going to do it again. Favor is not enough. So sometimes God will take away the blessing. He will take away the access, the privilege, the, 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 the fortune, the things you have. And while you're sitting there thinking, God doesn't love me. Oh no, God is with you. It's just that favor is not enough. Sometimes for God to move you to the next level, he'll have to get you fired before you can get something else. Why? Because favor is not enough. Sometimes God will allow sickness to come into your life to humble you. Why? Because favor is not enough. And so God thought, how do I get Joseph to the next level? 
And then the hatred, the malice, and the jealousy of his brothers showed up. That's why in Genesis chapter 49, Joseph said, you, in chapter 50, Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God will use the hatred of the people around you. So if you got haters, a blessing is around the corner. Amen, somebody. Amen. So favor is not enough. While favor attracts progress, it also attracts problems. One day, uh, Joseph was so loved by his father that his brothers had to work in the fields and tend to the sheep. But, but Jojo, Jojo didn't have to. Uh, Jojo was probably in the kitchen with his mother making something or, 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 or drawing colors or whatever it was. And so his father came to him and said, listen, I want you to go to where your brothers are. And I want you to take food for them. And for some reason, Brother Adriel, J J Joseph thought, let me put on my coat of many colors. Let me go to them wearing my coat of many colors. And the moment they see him coming, the first thing they say, here comes the dreamer. And as he's coming, they're conspiring to curse him. Now, I, I want to reiterate something. That what Joseph did was not showing off. He was young. He was naive. In his mind, he was thinking, my family should be happy because one day I will rule over them. But instead of seeing it as favor, they saw it as a curse. Because favor doesn't only attract progress, it also attracts problems. They take a hold of him. They rip apart his coat of many colors. They put blood on it, and then they take it back to his father. They throw their brother in a hole, and while he's down there, they're contemplating, is this a good idea or not? Here comes slavers, the Ishmaelites, and they decide, let's give him, let's sell our brother. How much hate do you need to have for your relative that you're willing to sell them? It's one thing to sell them out, but to sell them is another. And so they sell him to the Ishmaelites. But remember... God was with Joseph. And the Bible says that on their path, Egypt was on the way. And when Joseph was taken to Egypt, he is sold to the house of Potiphar. There's fortune in that idea because Potiphar was fair. I think when we read the Bible, we don't realize what being a slave meant. So let me paint a picture that is not going to be as offensive as I hope it's not. To be a slave in those days meant... If you are a woman, if you were a woman and a slave, if the wife was too tired to please her husband, the slave was given in her place. If you are a male and the man of the house was not able to get the job done, you had to step in. So every time you read the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, you must understand that that wasn't her doing something her husband didn't know. We, 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 we're going to break it down. Season of fire number one. The hatred of the family lands him as a slave. Season of fire number two. All of a sudden, we notice that favor has come back into Joseph's life. Genesis 39 verse 11 to 12. The Bible tells us previously that Potiphar noticed that God was with him. In verse 3, Potiphar noticed that God was with him. A heathen. A non-worshipper of the God of heaven noticed that this young man is such a good worker that God was with him. That Potiphar said, you know what? I know you are Hebrew. You are a foreigner. I know that you are a slave, but I'm going to put you in charge of my house. Everything is under you. Do you understand what that meant? That didn't mean he got to supervise the sweeping and the cleaning. 
No. He was in charge of the finances. He was in charge of the other workers. He was in charge of everybody in that home. The only person he could not touch was the wife. And the thing that you cannot touch is the thing that the devil wants you to touch it. Verse number 11 and 12. Uh, Joseph was not only favored with good work ethic. The Bible says he was good looking and well built. He was, do you understand how much of a detail that is? That when Moses wrote it thousands of years later, thousands, hundreds of years later, that somebody had kept repeating that Joseph was good looking and masculine, that Moses added it in the story. And so Mrs. Potiphar, we don't know her name, she sees him and she's, she's like, you know what? I want some of Jojo. I want me some Jojo. And over and over again, she keeps trying to get a hold of him. And finally, in verse 11, like an intelligent man that he was, because Joseph knew, if I don't run away, it's game over. She's going to get her some Jojo. And so the Bible says that he ran away. And in the process, she grabbed his clothing. And the clothing she took, uh, she decided, you know what? I'm going to use this as evidence against him. Because she was offended that a slave would not want to get what she was willing to offer. And so she came, she, she was preparing herself and she had to get into, a, into a, her, her Hollywood mode. How, how do I express myself? And so she's like, oh, husband, your servant, this, this foreigner, she called him a foreigner. He's no longer the handsome Joseph. Now he's just a foreigner, a slave. The slave that you brought into our home tried to violate me. I've told you guys this before, but I got to keep repeating it. I know for a fact that Potiphar didn't believe her. I know for a fact. You know why? Reason number one, he's a slave. You can kill him, and it's fine. Reason number two, Joseph was placed in the prison of the king's prisoners. Let me help you understand. When you are the prisoner of the king, the intention is not always to kill you. The intention is to humiliate you. The intention is to prove to the nation and the citizens, especially the upper class, that you mean business. Don't mess around. So Potiphar knows that. He, I'm sure he's like, Joe, listen, man, I, you, know, you know my wife, dude. She, she, she. So listen, I'm going to put you in prison, but you're going to go to the part where the king's prisoners are. And so now Joseph is in prison. First fire, the pit. Second fire, the prison. But notice what happened to Joseph's character. With everything that Joseph went through, his character didn't get worse. It became better. He was a foreigner. None of his family was there. He could have done anything he wanted and gotten away with it. The lady of the house was offering him favor. And as Elder Rivo said, he could have got a pay bump. He could have got privileges. But Joseph said, I prefer the favor of God and not yours. That is why it is easy to sin against God, because you don't see his favor in your life. You think that God doesn't love you, and so you let yourself go. But when you are sure that God loves you, you will look at this and you'll be like, no, take the bribe, don't take the bribe. You know what? If I go with God's plan, I'll end up being the second ruler of Egypt. Not just some woman's plaything. We, 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 we're preparing for 2023, people. And so the second garment is the garment of fire. If you're going through a rough time right now, take it as the fire that God is trying to purify you of. By being a slave, by being in prison, Joseph understood, I cannot depend on my father's pampering and favoring me. I got to depend on my character. 
Genesis 39:21. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. See, I, I want you guys to see something. We, we, we're, going to, we're going to talk about what this means in a second. That your character, your character, and I, I say this with as much humility as I can master because God is not done with me. I may not be what I was, but I'm not what I'm supposed to be. Character is the most important thing, especially in this generation where there's so much confusion and relativity about spirituality and religion. Everybody's doing what they want, and we don't understand that the one thing that qualifies you for heaven is your character. It's the one thing you take with you when you die. You can't take all the clothes and shoes in your wardrobe. You can't take your car. You can't take your house. You can't take all the likes and followers on social media. The only thing you have is your character. So in 2023, I'm advising you. In fact, I am imploring you, work on your character. The season of fortune. Verse number four, uh, Genesis chapter 40, verse 23. Among the prisoners of the king were his cupbearer and his baker. I don't know whether they tried to poison him or the croissant that day didn't taste good and the wine tasted stale. I don't know. But for some reason, in a mood, Pharaoh threw them in prison. And they happened to be on the same block with Joseph. God will put you in the right place, even if it's a prison. Amen. He makes you meet the right people at the right time to get the thing done. There's a baker and a cupbearer. And unfortunately, the text tells us that the cupbearer was saved because Joseph interpreted their dreams. And now, instead of remembering Joseph, listen to what the Bible says. He forgot Joseph for two whole years. He forgot that Joseph had come through for him, even though Jojo said, brother, don't forget me. But he did the opposite. Why did that happen? I'm going to tell you why it happened. Those who are attracted to your favor and not your character don't stick around long enough. Young lady, when the guy compliments how you look, and then he takes your favor, and he runs away. Do you know why? He never got to know your character. Just your favor. See, when you give away your favor, there's nothing else to stick around for. Because everybody's looking for character. Even the heathen employers, they want integrity. They will scroll through your Instagram and your Facebook and your TikTok and your whatever social media you all are doing today. And if they see something that is questionable, they will not hire you. You know why? Because favor is not enough you got to bring more to the table. On the other side, don't get offended when all people want, Pastor, is your skill. That's all they want from you. You know why? Skill is replaceable. You know, there's, there's a, I attended a seminar once, and a senior pastor was teaching uh, uh, the young pastors about how to conduct themselves and run a church, and he said to them, one more thing you should never forget. Don't ever think that you are the only one that the church needs. If you think that, go to the cemetery. There are pastors who have been buried and forgotten. You are replaceable. And so ever since then, I have always understood I am replaceable. And so I did the first thing. I found my replacement. Amen, somebody. 
Those who are attracted to your favor and not character will not stick around. If people have walked into your life and left, don't be offended. Be tough. Have grit. Because that's the way the game is played. Genesis 41 verse 42. We come across the third and final garment in Joseph's life. The Bible says that two years later, Joseph's incarceration, the king, the pharaoh has a dream. He dreams about seven cattle that are fat and seven cattle that are thin. And in that dream, the thin cattle eat the fat cattle. He wakes up, takes a drink of water, goes back to sleep. He has another dream. And it's the same concept. Something, something smaller eats up something bigger. He doesn't understand. He consults all the fortune tellers and the prophets and all those, uh, the card readers, right? The tea leaf readers, the palm readers in Egypt, and none of them can explain it. And in that moment, the card better remembers, Joseph interprets dreams. Joseph is brought to Pharaoh. The Bible says that he's, he's shaved and he's given new clothing. He's brought before the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh tells him the dream that he had. Now, I, I want you guys to see something that is not necessarily in the text, but I'm reading into it. Okay? This is the result of the conversation. Joseph says to Pharaoh in the preceding verses, he says to him what the dream means. There are going to be seven years of plenty. The harvest is going to be good. The animals are going to be, be healthy. Everything is going to be great in Egypt for seven years. But after that, there's going to be a famine, a famine so terrible, it's going to affect not only Egypt, but the places around. Joseph, my brother, could have stopped right there. He was called, pastor, to explain the dream. But what does Joseph do? Joseph treats this spiritual moment as an interview. He says, Pharaoh, what you need is somebody who can manage all the wealth that comes in during those seven years. What you got to do is build up storehouses and all the wheat and the grain and all that kind of stuff. Save it up so that during the seven years of famine, you can then have reserves and you can sell some around so that you can benefit as a nation. That was a job interview. And then at the end, Joseph says, you need the right person to do the job. And, so, and Pharaoh thinks, hmm, who can do this? He gets into a corner with his advisors, and they say, you know what? Joseph's the guy for the job. And I'm telling you right now, I believe that Joseph intentionally made that recommendation. Because remember, he had a dream when he was a child that one day he would lead. The cupbearer and the wine guy had dreams. Now Pharaoh has a dream. That is way too many dreams to be a coincidence. And what did Joseph see? He saw fortune. I know you guys have been reading the story from Pathfinder for so long that I might be saying something new. Joseph knew what he was doing. So what did Pharaoh do? Verse 42. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him up in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Again, we read past and we don't really process. Do you understand what Pharaoh's doing? He has hired a foreigner. He has hired a foreign slave. He has hired a foreign slave who is accused of rape. How much more favor do you need? He is a foreigner who's a slave accused of rape, and now he's the second ruler in Egypt. Because overnight, God can change your life. You can move from the pit to Potiphar's house, to prison, all the way to the palace in one fatal soup. 
But you are so stuck in the season of fire, you don't realize that like a propeller, God is pulling you back. He's not holding you back. He's pulling you back because the further you go back, the further you go forward. So now he has fine linen clothing, not a coat of favor, not prison clothes. He is the second in charge in Egypt. Joseph's destiny was tied to his sense of duty. I want you to understand that when God blesses you, it's never ever in a vacuum. All the men and women in the Bible who were called, God saw something in their character that he could use. Look at Paul. Look at Esther. Look at Abraham. Look at Sarah. These people had something in them that worked. Let me tell you what Joseph's thing was. Wherever Joseph was, he got people to like him. His father liked him. Do you know what it takes out of a, a, a group of 12 sons? For the father to ignore the firstborn and go to the second lastborn? Joseph has a character that whatever he touches, he makes it work. He's in Potiphar's house. He learns finance. He learns economy and leadership. He's in prison. He uses the skills from Potiphar's house in prison. Now he's in the palace. He's doing the same thing. Even though his circumstances were changing, his skills were increasing. Right now you're trying to find a job and it's not happening. What do you do? Sit back and cry or increase your skills. Add to the resume. Add another skill. If it's just web designing, add you some social media marketing. If it's social media marketing, add you some public speaking. Do something so that God can elevate you. Joseph understood geopolitics. He understood finance. He understood economy. He understood the game and he played it well. So stop crying about 2022. It's over. Let's prepare for the new year. Amen, somebody. We're done. So I, I told you that there was a, a fourth season because every fashion designer always has a secret. A secret design that sets him apart from all of them. And what the designer does is he gets, he gets a, a J-Lo to put it on, a Timothy Chalamet to put it on, and they wear them at the gala, and everybody sees it and wants it. So I'm going to give you that fourth garment. I call it the season of forever. Well, we're in the book of Revelation. The Bible says, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. Amen, somebody. Amen. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Favor from a parent doesn't matter. Favor from a pastor absolutely doesn't matter. Favor from your boss is only lasting as long as you are an employee. But when you have the favor of God, it leads to forever. Because one day, if you overcome, one day, if you are faithful, one day, if you've succeeded through the seasons of favor, fire, and fortune, you get to the place where you are so faithful that God writes your name down, gives you a new set of clothing, and mentions you to his father. Do you know how much favor you got to have? For Jesus to take his time in eternity to go to the Father and say, uh, Sister Valerie was faithful when she was on earth. People wrote bad things about her on social media, but she was faithful on earth. Because the favor of God matters more than anything else. Amen, somebody. One day you will be given a white garment. I thank God that it's just white. No many colors, no diamonds, no all the stuff that you see upstairs. We're all going to be dressed the same, so there will be no pride. Amen, somebody. We're going to have white robes and gold slippers, and we will live forever and ever and ever. Why? Because God is faithful. 
There's a concept. I'm done. Ever since the, the, the advent of influencers, brands promote their products to different people. But there's a difference between a brand ambassador and a brand promoter. There's a difference between a brand ambassador and a brand promoter. Go ahead and play. We're done. So let me help you understand. So I was thinking, do I look at women's fashion or men's fashion? And then I remembered it's World Cup. And so I decided to go with footballers, right? There's these two brothers right here. Since 2005, I still cannot decide who I like more than the other. I know my wife likes Ronaldo for obvious reasons, but uh, I'm still struggling between the two of them. But since 2006 and 2007, Ronaldo has been the brand ambassador for Nike. And since 2007, Messi has been the brand ambassador for Adidas. In 2016, Nike decided that Ronaldo would be a lifetime brand ambassador for Nike. In 2017, Adidas decided that Messi would be the brand ambassador for life of Adidas. Do you understand what that means? That means every time the football book boots are bought, they get something. They get paid just to wear them. You and I have to pay to wear the products. They get paid for wearing the product. Do you understand? Brand ambassador. Celebrities are brand ambassadors because they get given products and they pretend to like it on social media and they're putting on the makeup like they use a product. How many products do you use? I'm sorry. Brand promoter. This guy is a brand promoter. Nobody knows his name. He stands in the store, points you to a pair of shoes, goes and gets the size that you need, but he doesn't get any commission for it because that's his job. Nobody knows him. When he leaves the store, he doesn't have to wear Adidas products or Nike products. He can wear what he wants. But these two brothers, the only sports product he's allowed to wear is Nike. I'm sure you've seen this video on social media, on YouTube, where there's Coke bottles in front of Ronaldo, and then he pushes them aside. He cannot do that. He's not a brand ambassador for Coca-Cola. You as a Christian, you are either a brand ambassador or a brand promoter. And a lot of you are promoters. You hand out Christianity like those people in the store that hand out pieces of a... Come taste the, come, come taste the product, come, come taste the, the, the whatever. And then you leave and that's it. But a brand ambassador wears the product every single day. Joseph was not a promoter. He was an ambassador. Joseph didn't have to announce who he was. He just lived it. Today, if we don't tell people we're Christians, they'll never know. When they go on our social media and then they see us singing praise and worship songs, they're like, she's a Christian? If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to put you in prison? We ought to be brand ambassadors because that's how you get the right clothing when Jesus comes again. Eyes closed. Heads bowed. Heavenly Father, like I said before, I'm a work in progress. Everything I say to these people, I say to myself. I can imagine one day, by your grace, if we're in heaven, I want to sit down with Joseph and ask him, what got you to, to be that faithful? In my life, I complained about little things, but you were put aside by your family. You were sold and abused and accused of things you never did, but you, you just did you. And I'm sure Joseph will say, and the Lord was with me. It didn't matter what happened to me. 
The question is, who was with me? And so this morning, Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters that as much as it is difficult to be faithful, it is not impossible. It doesn't matter what season of our lives we are in. You have called us to be brand ambassadors of heaven. That you want us to represent you so well so that one day you will represent us. And so if there's anybody in this room right now who has struggled in 2022, who has made decisions that are so questionable, it makes them look down, not in humility, but in shame. I want to pray for them right now that there's, there's another season coming. God is always working. There's always another season to get it right. And so I pray for them that in this coming year, that their spiritual resolution will be to get it right before God. Bless each and every one of them with the eyes to see that God is with them. And now I pray, Heavenly Father, may you be above us to watch over us. May you be beneath us to lift us up when we fall. May you walk in front of us to guide us in the way. May you walk behind us that we would never go astray. May you surround us to protect us until the end. May you walk by our side as a friend. But above all things, be in our hearts so that we may know that God is with us until the end. If this is your prayer, let me hear you say amen. And amen. God bless you.